0: You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Last week, we began a series called Love One Another. And all of us have been shaken by recent events that have left families devastated by loss. We know that racism is sadly alive and well in the United States. And while we know the principles upon which this nation was founded are rooted in the word of God that all men are created equal, history and reality reveal that while we have professed these things in theory, we are still struggling to live according to the laws of our land. And this is why I felt so strongly to make it clear in last week's lesson that as believers, we look to the Word of God for answers to these difficult times. We look to the only one that can change the brokenness of humanity in a fallen world, and that is Jesus Christ. Because the law, man's law, in and of itself cannot keep the darkness of our hearts in check. The prophet Jeremiah made it clear that we do not know fully the depravity that we are capable of in our hearts. And so we understand that man cannot fix the sin problem on his own. Hatred and violence are works of the flesh, and rioting and looting Are wrong according to the Word of God because the works of the flesh will never produce love and peace, for they are the fruits of God's Spirit. And so last week we looked to Jesus' words in the Gospel of John, in chapter 13 and 15 specifically. And Jesus revised one of the original commandments. No longer was it enough. For us to simply love our neighbor as ourselves, But Jesus set the stage for Calvary by giving his followers a new commandment. A commandment with a fresh approach that we are to love one another as he has loved us. And on his way to Calvary, Jesus' challenge to them was not love me more. It was love each other the way i have loved you jesus set the highest standard possible for the love we are to have for one another for he is that standard and this week we turn again to these pages for the bible has a great deal to say about how we are to regard and treat one another And as we begin, I would like for us to consider why our love for each other matters so much to God. As you know, I grew up in an estrogen-charged environment. And females are vicious to each other, generally speaking. Sisters, however, are on another level. And I cannot recall anything that enraged my parents more. Than our poor treatment of each other. My dad, as an only child, could not understand it. It was just him and his dog and older parents there in Northside where he grew up. And so it frustrated him to no end that we could not get along without parental and even divine intervention. It was really bad at times, people. There were cat fights on the regular. Of course, I didn't start them, but as the firstborn of the family, I was committed to finishing whatever was started and committed against me. But then there was my dear mother, the brunette. She was one of three girls herself. And so she didn't play around with our foolishness because she was very familiar with it. My mom had no tolerance for bullying or cruelty Among us, Mama Bear would rise up in these times in our house. And let me tell you, when she did, you didn't know what happened. And wherever my sisters are right now, they feel an amen in their spirit. And I do want to insert right here that I am thankful for godly parents who set a high standard of conduct and behavior within the walls of our home. But now that I am living in a similar environment, I've received revelation, Mom, if you're watching. I, I get it now. I understand why our meanness to each other upset you so much and provoked such discipline from you. Because you wanted us to know that we were all your children. We were your kids. And more times than I care to admit In this season of unending togetherness In the Ellis household I have heard myself say The very same exclamations That my parents said to me growing up That's my daughter you're talking to We're family We don't treat each other that way We don't speak to one another Like that in this house And if I... Feel that way as a mom. And I know many of you understand what I'm saying, whether you be a teacher in a classroom watching a child be mistreated or bullied, or you are in fact a parent or a grandparent within your family unit. You've seen bullying and cruelty and people mistreating one another. All of us have felt that sense of this isn't right. We shouldn't treat each other that way. If we As human beings have that instinct, we have that intuition on our own. My friends, consider with me, how much more does God Almighty, the Father of us all, as this book says, how much more does he react and feel that same pain and concern when we treat each other less than what his book tells us to? You see, we are all God's. Kids, And the Bible is crystal clear on this point in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. All of humanity can trace its origins back to Adam, the first human being created by God himself. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 27 say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Acts chapter 17 verses 26 through 28 say, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We are all the children of God. All of us made in his likeness. We are made in the image of God. The theological term is imago Dei. No person is an exception to this. An image is simply a reflection, we reflect God's image as human beings. And scripture teaches us that in God there is no partiality. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17 says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 6 it says, God shows personal favoritism to no man. Paul explains further in Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 29. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Because we see this so consistently communicated to us in scripture. We realize that any form of racism, elitism, sexism, discrimination of any kind is a sin. Dr. Tony Evans puts it so powerfully. By treating any fellow image bearer inferior. Because they are of a different race is sin. If we are going to achieve unity, we must speak honestly. We must call discrimination or oppression exactly what it is, sin. And since God does not define you and I as anything other than his own, we ought to follow his supreme example. For we are not defined in the eyes of God by our social status. We are not defined in the eyes of God by our race. And we are not defined in the eyes of God by our gender. And if that is God's standard, Calvary, then it very well should be you and I's. We should avoid this type of sin in our speech, in our conduct, even in our entertainment we should be intentional to be as inclusive in our lives as jesus was in his as believers we understand that according to jesus the way the world would know that we are his followers is the love we demonstrate to each other this love is a badge like we talked about last week that others identify us As believers with. It's the badge we identify other believers with. It is the way we identify ourselves as Christians to everyone that we come in contact with, whether it be strangers or our neighbors, our co-workers, even within our families should be able to identify us as Christians by the love that we show. And so how can we do this? How is that kind of love possible? What does it in fact look like in the normal flow of our daily lives? We can say it. We can pray to be able to do it. We can aspire to it. We can understand it in scripture. But how do we in fact love each other? Again, We turn to the word of the Lord. And the study of the one another's in scripture is very powerful. It is challenging and it is convicting. I can tell you from my experience in the last couple of months, the Bible gives an extensive list of how we are to treat each other. The Bible is also specific to let us know how we are not to treat each other. These lists in the Bible are exhaustive, and frankly, they are exhausting. And I say that to say that we have a lot of work to do from now until the trumpet sounds. Quickly, I want to read some of these one another, specifically in the New Testament, just to illustrate to you how much and how specific these commands are. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then as Christ accepted you. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Teach one another. Admonish one another, make your love increase and overflow for each other. Encourage each other, spur one another toward love and good deeds. Do not slander one another, don't grumble against each other, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, live in harmony with one another, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others and clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. That is a short list, my friends. Just reading those God-breathed words out loud is enough to convict all of us. In fact, I could end the lesson right here, and we could have a time of prayer together that would probably cover the rest of our scheduled time for Growth University. But for the sake of time and simplicity, I have compiled a list of five one-anothers that I believe represent the principles that these passages present to us. And so let us look together at five principles For loving one another. The first one is serve one another. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says... For you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. Jesus certainly set a very clear example of this principle in his earthly ministry. In fact... Jesus washed the disciples' feet right before he gave them that new commandment in John chapter 13. Jesus had more liberty than any other human being. Yet Jesus used that incredible liberty to serve others. He did not come to this earth to be served, although that certainly would have been appropriate. And one of the key contributors to spiritual maturity is serving other people. It grows us in Christ. It grows us in his church exponentially. Part of growing up in our faith is getting rid of a consumerist mindset. We should never approach the Lord and his church like Miss Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Mentality. Jesus did not bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light for you and I to sit down comfortably in these pews and be fed twice a week at the hands of someone else and just exist spiritually. With maturity comes a different set of expectations, both in the natural world and in the spiritual world. It is, in fact, The surest way to keep our flesh in check. Serving other people is crucial to overcoming our natural man. Our carnal nature is rooted in selfishness. And service requires connection to others. Because that is what we were made for. We were made for connection. And it is the only way that God's purpose can be fulfilled in our lives. The second principle is encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 says, "Therefore comfort each other and edify one another." Now, as I studied this verse, I was amazed by the meaning of the word for comfort here. It encapsulates a lot. In fact, in my uh, notes, I was uh, thinking that encourage and comfort would be actually separate principles. But as I looked into the meaning of this Greek word, parakaleo, it can be translated as many things. And that is why we have a slide for you. For you to understand how many different things that word for comfort there is encapsulates. It means counsel. It means to admonish, to exhort, to encourage, to edify, to strengthen, to instruct, to teach. And there are even more verbs that I could have added based on my research. One word, that word comfort, assigns to us a myriad of ways to love one another. We are challenged In this book, for ways to build each other up. It is our responsibility to find a way to help and encourage each other. Specifically, through our words. Whether it be through words of affirmation or words of instruction. Our assignment is plainly given to us in this verse and a host of other verses in the New Testament that use this word parakaleo. And I must tell you that I found out that this word here is used 109 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of times. This idea of lifting one another up and comforting each other with our words is in fact no small matter to the Lord. That's why it's repeated so many times, over a hundred times in the New Testament, using different forms of the word, different verbs to describe what it looks like so that we can correctly understand it and do it ourselves. The third principle is forgive one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. There's that high standard again, folks. Does anyone else see a pattern in these verses about loving each other, forgiving each other? I'm really thankful, as I was studying this afternoon, that God does not forgive me the way I have shown forgiveness to other people in my life. If he did, My soul might be lost. And that's being brutally honest with you. Because we understand the Bible tells us so powerfully. He doesn't just forgive us of our sins. But he removes them as far away from us as possible. And the measurements that the Bible gives us as far as the east is from the west. That is immeasurable. It cannot be quantified how far God Removes sin from us. That is the extent to which He forgives and pardons our wrongdoing. And Jesus taught about the weightiness of our forgiveness to others in brutally clear terms in Matthew chapter 6. When we read verses 14 and 15, which we are about to do, hang on to those chiclets, as Dad used to say, because they could be knocked out or hung loose in some way. But immediately following the Lord's Prayer, think about this. Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And my uh, one of my personal heroes, C.S. Lewis, leave it to him to put it so plainly. He said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. You may be seated. Let's move on. Consider one another is our fourth principle we are looking at tonight. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. The word prefer here is an interesting choice. It actually means to go before and show the way, to lead, to show deference. This is something that we see in the New Testament in other verses. Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now listen. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem others better than himself or esteem others more than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. God's ways are not our ways. And you don't have to serve the Lord very long to figure that out. Jesus' teachings were countercultural. And this word often goes against what is natural to us and even what is intuitive to us. But the fact of the matter is, we are not called to self-preservation. As believers, Paul challenges us with the idea that we should not be so consumed with our own interests that we do not look out for the needs of other people. We are, in fact, to help lead each other in doing what is right. We are to encourage each other to do what is good. We do this by our example and by looking out for one another. And this goes hand in hand with the principle, the first one we went over, of serving each other. As we grow in Christ... A byproduct of spiritual maturity is a growing care and concern for other people. This mutual concern brings unity into the body of Christ that can only come from the Holy Spirit of God. And we do well, my friends, to prayerfully consider the application of what this means here in the year 2020. As we wade through social unrest and a pandemic and environment like our country has never known, I feel compelled to tell you humbly that this principle has challenged me so much when I have prayed about these issues. I have felt God challenge me, that with the realization that before I am an American. I am a Christian. His law is higher than the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Paul challenges us in other books that he writes that as Christians, we must consider the use of our liberty in the context of his impact on others. And while I understand that the context for those admonitions that Paul gave was in fact A spiritual scenario. The principle of consideration. And even deference to others. Is undeniable in this book. And while we may not agree. With everything that is going on. Or the response of our government. Or leaders that are empowered to make decisions on our behalf. We must as Christians. Consider others in our response. Even in the exercising of our writes for you and I answer to a higher law according to Jesus to love as he loves to forgive as he forgives to serve one another in love to consider one another and finally to receive one another receive one another is our fifth principle Romans chapter 15 verse 7 says therefore Receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Again, a very interesting choice of words. For to receive means to take in, to hold, to welcome. The verse goes on to explain that this is much more than a how do you do. Nice to have you with us. But reception is much more than just hospitality. At the core of reception is acceptance. To receive someone is more than being polite or tolerant. Here we find the bar set once again by Christ Himself. Receive each other as I have received you. Consider with me how that applies to you and I in light of our testimonies, in light of all that God has brought us from and brought us through. Consider it with me in light of our walk with God. We see this so powerfully illustrated in the life of the author of this passage, the Apostle Paul. In Acts 9, we read that Ananias called Paul, who had been Saul the first time he met him. His greeting to him was, Brother Saul. This is so powerful for us to think upon. For at this point, Paul had not yet received the Spirit, yet Ananias called him Brother We then see Barnabas bring him into fellowship with the other apostles later in the same chapter. And this, my friends, is why Paul speaks so clearly on this aspect of loving as Christ does. Because Paul was a recipient of that kind of acceptance. He was received By Ananias. He was received by Barnabas. Who in turn got the other apostles to receive and accept him. And as we are coming to a close tonight. I feel compelled so strongly by this passage. In the context of our current state as a nation. Here we understand that there is a difference. A biblical one. Between tolerance and acceptance. Jesus has not simply tolerated you and I and all of our mess. But he received us. He brought us into fellowship with him. He took away our sin. He adopted us into his family through baptism. And he has put his name upon our lives. Paul said, we are to do this. We are to receive each other as Christ has received us to the glory of God. And that is very significant. For of all the one another's that we find in scripture, this is the only one that challenges us to do it to the glory of God. And I can't help but speculate that maybe that's because God knew this would be one that we would struggle with especially. And so do it to the glory of God. Because maybe sometimes that's the motivation that we need. It echoes the idea of John chapter 13 that this glory that we will give to god is the way that the world will know that our love for each other the expression of it the acceptance of one another turns the world's eyes away from us and to the god that saved us love as he loved us forgive as he has forgiven us receive accept as he has received us. And what the church needs is more than increased tolerance for each other. We need much more than an awareness of the things that are not right. We must follow the example of Christ in receiving each other. And so now we have come to our apt time. And I realize that in some ways this is A very similar question to the one we considered last night, or last week rather. And so I want to consider together specifically these five principles that we have gone over of serve, encourage, forgive, consider, and receive one another. Which of these five is the greater struggle or the greatest struggle for you right now? And why? I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to ponder that and maybe talk among yourselves. All right, well, I want to encourage you to take these five principles and make them a part of uh, your prayer life this week. Maybe even uh, study them out a little bit more in your personal time of devotion. There is much to consider, much to understand from God's Word. But in conclusion tonight, I want to read from Romans 12. I realize that we already read verse 10, but today as I was studying the context of verse 10, I was just amazed to realize that the end of this chapter here in the book of Romans encapsulates completely the five principles that we have done our best to share with you tonight, and I want to mention before I read that if you are looking at a New King James version of the Bible The heading of this section of Romans 12 says, behave like a Christian. Well, isn't that just a great motto for life, especially right now? But let's begin with verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In this season of upheaval and unrest we are reminded of what Peter wrote in chapter four verses seven and eight The end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins love will cover a multitude of sins and while we might not be able to right the wrongs of the past how we demonstrate our faith through how we treat others has never been more important than it is right now because love will never fail the bible says It will accomplish what nothing else can accomplish because God is love. I want us to pray together, Lord, we come to you humbly. Your word is a mirror, and sometimes what we see is so hard to accept that for all of the maybe progress we've made as Christians, we Realize when we prayerfully look at your word how much we have yet to grow and to do to be like you. But Lord, we want to be like you in every area of our lives, that people would know, that people would identify us with you, not by the words that we say, not by a self proclamation but by the way we treat other people. And so, God, I pray that you challenge us to serve one another better, to encourage each other better, to forgive like you have forgiven, to consider each other in light of everything that's being thrown at us right now. Help the Calvary Church and its families to receive one another as you have received and accepted us to the glory of God may you be lifted up in this congregation even now grow us Lord and in your time and will bring us back together and may we be ready for your imminent return in Jesus name we pray amen the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you turn his face you and give you peace. This podcast was brought to you by The Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about The Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music,